Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody. Uh, you know, today is a big day. We have the legendary Jim O'Hare. I haven't seen Jim in a bit. Of the f- <laughs> uh, who's so famous, they named an airport they after sure him. Sure did. He's he is on the pod. And Alan, how are you? I feel like it's been. I mean, it's been a, almost a week since we've seen each other. It's been. It feels like forever. But you know what? It's good to see you again, and it's great to see Jim. You too, you guys. I miss everybody. I know. Well, this is why we do this. This is because we get to relive the glory years together, but it's always better when we have an OG on like you. Yeah, well, I've, God knows I've been around. Yeah, the show, I got to tell you, I it, it has been the certainly the life changer, career changer for me over the years. Um, I was super lucky before Parks. I was a busy guy, but Parks is just, <laughs> it's nuts. And uh, what a gift. Well, that's why we are here. This is... Um, Parks and Recollection, where we go show by show over um, our favorite show, Parks and Recreation. And t- today, what 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 episode have we chosen for Mister O'Hare? This is his. This is this is like a, a very special app for Jerry Gary. This is a big tour de force for Jim, and and you know we had you know look. Season one, we had kind of, you know, Retta and Jim in the show, and they had lines here and there, but season two, they started becoming really, really, really important characters, and this one kind of features Jerry. It's it's kind of all about him, and he's kind of the crux of the episode. Uh, you know, should we just go through the synopsis, and then we can chat with Jim fully? Yeah, we're going to bring everybody up to speed on this landmark performance. <laughs> As we walk them through. This, this episode is called Park Safety. Park Safety, yes. episode 19 of season two, first aired March 18th, 2010. Think about that. Think about that, Jesus. Jim. 2010. That makes no sense. Yes. It was written by my good friend Aisha Muhar, my former roommate. Yay. And it was directed by Michael Trim, who was also the DP on the show for a while. Um, all-star crew. All-star crew. I'll walk us through a, just a real quick summary of the episode. This is the synopsis from my synopsisters and brothers. Here we go, Rob. Here we go, Jim. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. Here it comes. Here comes. Here comes the show. Leslie holds a drawing to determine who will fill the park's hummingbird feeders. Jerry is chosen because everybody writes down his name instead of their own. Later, Leslie receives a call from Anne that Jerry's in the hospital with a dislocated shoulder. Jerry claims to have been mugged in the park, and Leslie decides nobody should tease him anymore. When Jerry returns, he acts particularly buffoonish, even for him, during a slideshow presentation and ends up farting and splitting his pants. But everyone holds back laughter at Leslie's request. Leslie meets with Carl Lorthner, played by Andy Samberg, a park security ranger who is incredibly loud but oblivious to that fact. Leslie suggests Carl get more help for the park to be safe. Carl says the park is largely unprotected due to budget cuts, so Leslie vows to get more funding. The mayor offers $2,500 to help fix the park. But at a press conference about the money, Jerry confesses to Leslie that he wasn't mugged. He actually dropped a breakfast burrito in a creek, then fell while trying to grab it. Leslie relates Jerry's story to Mark, but he stops her short when he says that Jerry was too scared of his co-workers to be honest with him. 
Carl, offended by Leslie's statements about park security, plans to show footage of Jerry falling into the creek on Pawnee today. Leslie negotiates, and instead they talk during the show about how much they enjoyed the film Avatar. The office goes <laughs> back to mocking Jerry, but Jerry confides that he doesn't really care because he's just two years away from retiring on a full pension. Very quickly in the B story, the love triangle between Andy, April, and Anne deepens. Anne says Andy's a fun person but was a terrible boyfriend because he's completely reliant on others. Until later, she sees him give April a muffin, which makes Anne think Andy has changed. Packed episode, and really mm -hmm. just all about Jerry. All about Jerry. I mean... Before this happened, let me tell you guys, uh, I don't know where, earlier in the season, because for those who don't know, Retta and I, and even Pratt at the time, we did not come on as series regulars. Right. So they, we were actually told up front, we don't even know what's going to happen with these characters. Uh, my agents actually kind of hinted that I shouldn't do it because they didn't want me to feel like I was doing some background work. Um, but for me, it was these people who created the office and look at what happened to those background folks. So for me, it was a no brainer. Mm -hmm. But so, you know, we did the first six and then we come back for season two and now Red and I are just guest stars every week. And Morgan Sackett, our amazing line producer, came up to me, I forget at what point in the season early, and he goes, you're getting an episode. And I'm like, what? <laughs> He goes, you're getting an episode, and I, 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 I was blown away. Number one, I still wasn't, a, I wasn't a regular. I was just guesting every week, um, and so that blew my mind. And I went from incredible excitement to absolute terror. Like this <laughs> could make or break whether they're gonna bring me along. Anyway, it was a, you know, typical actor BS. Happy, sad, scared, terrified, excited. The whole, the whole gamut. So yeah, it was. Um, and then I even got some feedback from some of the office folks, who I, I love all those guys, who were like, you got an episode in your second season? You know, because <laughs> it took a while, I guess, over there. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was thrilled, obviously, thrilled and terrified, and, and I ultimately thrilled with how it came out. Yeah, I mean, it really is a testament to you, Jim, as a performer, and, and, and Retta as well. Of course, we beefed up her character along the way, but... You know, we quickly realized, I think, as a writing staff and as a creative team, how valuable you were to the show. And, you know, in a way, that character was so funny. I mean, that was the <laughs> biggest thing. It was like, we got so many funny jokes at Jerry's expense. But, you know, the way, Jim, you played him was so lovable. You never felt bad. It's like, it, it almost was this way that it, the, the show used you and Jerry as kind of a release valve where, you know, the characters could get jokes off. And it was such a warm, positive show. We kind of built in this thing where Jerry, he could take it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you could get all these jokes that were kind of borderline mean, but then you just knew this guy was fine. Like, you knew he was fine. We kept bolstering you over and over again with those jokes. Yeah, and as I tell, because so many people are like, oh, it really bothered me when they would, you know, whatever. Ultimately, whenever it mattered, throughout the series, they always had Jerry's back when it counted. Uh, when there was real trouble, when Ben and and uh, and Chris show up, you know, when you guys show up, Rob, and you guys are like, well, we got to cut this, we got to cut that. And uh, Ben says to Leslie and Ron, well, listen, what about this Jerry Gergich? And Leslie immediately pipes in, well, we can't do it without him. You know, so, I mean, <laughs> they, they had Jerry's back. He was, as Ron would say, the Schlemiel and the Schlemazel. I mean, he was both <laughs> of the series, and um, I, I wear it as a badge of honor. That's one of my, there's so many great bits in this episode. The, um, you referenced the Schlemiel and the Schlemazel. And um, those of us who grew up at a certain age watching Laverne and yeah. Shirley, where they talk about Schlemiel, Schlemazel, Hoffenpfeffer Incorporated. Okay, it's true. I'm 90 fucking years old, <laughs> clearly. Um, I never knew what that meant until this show. And, and, and the Schlemiel is, goes to a fancy party and has soup, spills his soup. The schlamazel is who he spills the soup <laughs> on. Does. And Jerry is both, yes. as we say it's, in this episode. It's, it's wonderful. And I also love the tiny joke as Ron Swanson introduces that idea. He's like, this story was told to me by David Myers, the Jewish guy who works here at City Hall. So it's like there's one Jewish guy who works in the entire government. Little joke laid in by some of our Jewish writers, Dan Gore and Harris Whittles and all these people. So, so yeah, it was, it was part it of has this. To, it has to be said. It, can be said. it can't be said enough. The greatest writing team that certainly I've ever worked with. Just geniuses, all of you guys. Just absolute geniuses. We had such a great time on the show. And it was just a fun group, too. You know, it was a fun group. Was, we talked about this on the show before, how, 
you know, the writing staff was kind of a family and, and the cast was kind of a family. Yeah. And then we all got together and we'd hang out together, too. So it, it was really this kind of harmonious thing. And, and that's why I think the Jerry character was so beloved because, you know, so many people are so nice on the show, but they get to actually have some teeth when they make fun exactly. of Jerry. And it's just it's almost, yeah, it's just so delightful. And, 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 and that set piece in this one, you know, uh, where, where you split your pants is, is truly a classic in terms of uh, Parks and Rec scene. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, uh, Le- Leslie, Amy said to me after the table read, because, you know, for those who don't know this, Amy is, uh, I am, I think I'm nine, perhaps 10 years older than Amy, but Amy was the mother of that set. And she was a mother to me. She was a mother to everybody on that set. And she always wanted to make sure we were good. We were comfortable. And so after that table read, she comes up to me and she's like, now, Jim, are you comfortable with this? And I go, Amy, I get to fart. I get to split my pants. I was born for this. This is absolutely what I was born for. But she was so, that's just who Amy is. I mean, anyone who knows her, um, she's incredibly kind and she will forego a very good, funny bit if it would make anybody uncomfortable. That's, that's just who Amy is. Yeah, it, again, it, it all starts from the top. You know, Mike and Greg, great showrunners, yep. and, and Amy, an amazing number one. And tell us a little bit about, you know, how you started on the show. I mean, it's kind of an interesting story, yeah. actually, if I remember uh, yeah, you know, I, how you got started, Jim. I auditioned for Ron Swanson. Uh, yep. Like everybody else in L.A., it was, you know, there was heat around this because it was the untitled Amy Poehler Project coming off of SNL. And the word had gotten out. It wasn't a pilot. It was straight to series. You know, a six-episode order, I believe, if that's, I don't know if I'm correct yep. about that. But anyway, so there's, you know, so, and the way, you know, typical Jim O'Hare fashion, you know, I'm, I'm, I can be down on myself, like I think a lot of actors. And so I never in a million years went in there thinking I would get that. Uh, but I did know it was Greg Daniels and Mike Shore. And I wanted to impress them so that if there was ever a guest star role down the line, if there was ever... Uh, you know, on the office, maybe they would like me and consider me, you know, just, I've always believed you go in, you, you know, you don't know what they're, what else they're working on. So I went in, I, I did my, you know, my Ron Swanson version of, of what I thought. Of. Do you remember your Ron Swanson? Can you give us a little bit I, of it? I, I, I wish I did. I mean, first of all, the thought of anyone other than yeah. Offerman, I, I can't even, I know. like my head can't go there. Um, I, I, I'm sure it was, I, you know, it, I don't think I embarrass myself because I do remember leaving thinking you did exactly what you wanted to do. Cause you know, you can leave auditions and you get in your car and you're like, son of a bitch. Oh my God. Did I, <laughs> or you relive it and I should have done this. I do remember thinking, wow, such great guys in the room and you know, uh, Greg and Mike. And I remember, th- uh, uh, it was Allison, um, Oh, Allison Jones, Allison yeah. Jones, casting director, who of course guest on this, yeah. is just the sweetest. Anyway, so it was a lovely room because actors go into a lot of different rooms and they're not always great rooms. You know, we've all yeah. we've all been there. And uh, this was a great room. They were, you know, and we, I did have a little bit of a, um, a connection to chat with them about because I, you know, worked with Carell in um, – Chicago. Uh, one of the last gigs I did was a voice job with Steve and I did for, I feel like it was Miller beer. I don't know what the hell it was for, but anyway, so it's always nice to have something you can chat. So we could talk about Corell a little bit and stuff like that. But I left the room thinking this was good. N- not at all thinking Ron Swanson good that they'd call me for that, but these guys like me and maybe they'll have something down the road. And then I think it was around two weeks later, they call and say, uh, would Jim consider reading for this role of Jerry? Well, of course. So I go in and I get into the waiting room and it's fat guys, thin guys, tall guys, short guys. Uh, they did not know, who, I, you know, they didn't know who Jerry was obviously at that point, uh, which is, mm. it, it's, um, it leaves the door open, uh, which is, can be good and bad. And so again, I went in there and I, they created a scene, Hal. And if I remember, there was no Jerry material. I think they, Created something. New sides. Yeah. They, New sides. They created this audition material. And I did it. And again, I felt really good about the room. I felt good about my back and forth with Mike and Greg. Um, but again, you leave and you have to let it go because, you know, you never know. And then we get the call a couple weeks later. And my agent goes, Jim, they want to book you on this on this untitled Amy Polar project. And I go, oh, which role? 
I really, not that I ever thought I was yeah. getting Ron Swanson, but anyway, so needless to say, it was Jerry. And then what I loved, what they did was they were very honest. When they booked this, they told my reps that uh, we don't know what's going to happen here. We have six series regulars that we have got to, you know, cater to, basically. There are there are people. Um and so we don't know what's going to happen. And that's why what I mentioned earlier, my agents were like, maybe you don't want to do this. But again, like I said, it was a no brainer for me, even if it had only, even if I had done those six and walked out the door to have had that experience of even those six episodes, I would have no regrets. So the fact that it turned into what it did, and I'll never forget, I was in an airport in Miami and my manager calls and she said, well, I just got a call, and they would like to negotiate to have you be a series regular on Parks and Recreation. And I oh, wow. literally, in a some air, you know, some Miami airport, screamed, "Holy!" I don't know if we can swear on this thing. <laughs> oh, we can swear. Like, do it. Holy it's mostly swears, Jerry. <laughs> and people are looking at me, uh, you know, because I certainly wanted it to go that way, but it doesn't mean it's going to. Just because I wanted it to, so. That was kind of, and then uh, then all of a sudden, uh, I'm a series regular on Parks and Recreation. So yeah, that, you made the right bet. Yeah, you made the right bet, Jim. Yeah. And, and it's and it's really a testament to you and your audition for Ron because people people don't know Jim auditioned for, for Ron. Ron. You know, like how, how how wild is that to think about? Yeah. You know, it's so. Cool. And actually, I wish I could see the audition myself because you know it was how many years ago? 10, 11 years ago. I, I don't remember what exactly what I did, but I would like to see what my version was now knowing what Nick has done <laughs> with it. Because again, and, and yeah. Alan, you can answer this. Was Nick their guy from the beginning? You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that you want to do well in those rooms for the producers, right? For Mike and Greg, you want to make an impression because quite honestly, I think that's what had happened years ago with Nick and Mike Shore. Because I, I know, you know, Mike tells the story he had just literally written down the name Nick Offerman and put it on a little yellow post-it note and he just had it on his computer. And he just like in like in his mind, you know, and, and by the way, it wasn't a straight offer to Nick. You know, it, Nick wasn't, you know, a, a super, super established actor. He had been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He'd acted a lot, but he wasn't, you know, a, a huge series regular on previous shows. So I remember, and the auditions, I remember your audition. I remember seeing uh, Nick's audition and I saw Mike O'Malley's audition. Mike O'Malley did a great job, obviously very seasoned, funny actor. And, um, and, and you know, I, I think Nick, you know, obviously did an incredible job and really embodied that character, but it was by no means, I, I, in my mind, a done deal. Again, I was not making the decisions. Right, I, right. They were, you know, they were so kind to, to, and generous to show some of the writers some of the auditions so we could all discuss the cast together. But, um, you know, that it, 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 he, he had him in mind. And, and that's what happens with all the actors out there. Like, it's, it's a marathon. It's a marathon. Man. Someone you yep. remember from a show, like, I'll, I'll remember people who auditioned for Parks. I had someone wow. show up in, in, in my new show a, a couple weeks ago and she, she acted on Parks 10 years ago. Wow. I was like, I remember you from Parks. Well, like, I, I, it's, I, it's, I mean, it's I say, real. you know, when I, I talk to kids in, you know, different theater schools and stuff, it's all about, you don't know who's going to be in a room. You don't know what you're auditioning for. Always, you know, give it your best. But, you know, Nick and I, we've talked about this a hundred times. We were both Chicago journeyman actor. We both had good careers in Chicago and then we moved to LA and we're doing theater and then you know, we were both very fortunate that a lot of guest spots, like I think it was, it was either Fallon or um, Kimmel. I don't know one of them. When I sat down on the couch, the first question, question they asked me was what show haven't you been on? Because <laughs> I, I had, you know, you know, if you look me up, I have guested on a lot of shows over the years. And so Nick and I really were very fortunate before parks, like things were yep. busy, but then you stick it out long enough and the show like Parks comes along. And the thing about Parks that is so different, uh, these billions of shows that I've been on over the years, they come and go. They just come and go. It's the nature of it. Shows come and go. Uh, we've all done them. You never see them again. Uh, th that's the end of that. But somehow Parks has broken through and it is not going anywhere. Uh, I was at, I was shooting a film in, uh, the hell was uh, oh, New Orleans a couple months ago, and I'm at breakfast somewhere, and a man comes up to me from India, 
and he is all excited and worked up and like it just blows my mind it blows my mind it's and nick, it's real yeah and nick sent us a video once you know nick does that amazing one-man show of his and um he was in london i believe and he sent us this video where at the end of the show He's, uh, they're all, the audience and he are singing Bye Bye Little Sebastian, and they're all holding up their phones or lighters. And I'm telling you, we were all like near tears. It was so, I don't know. And and I, I, I it, it, you know, Amy always called Parks and Recreation lightning in a bottle that so much great stuff came together, you know, between writers and actors and production, uh, the greatest crew that ever walked the planet. And so, um, I don't know. It's it's amazing. Just amazing. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to two guys who are literally recapping every episode and we're quite busy. So, yes. we really love the show. <laughs> it's, it's, exactly. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors no prep, no mess meals. Now, Factors fresh Never frozen meals are dietitian approved, which is awesome, and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So, so good. I love this stuff. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore to help you crush your wellness goals. And let me tell you what I crush. They have a smoky bacon and cheddar egg bite that is Mm, 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 good. Mm. I tried their shakes also, and they were so good. Oh, I'm a Factor fan. Head to factormeals.com slash parksandrex50 and use code parksandrex50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code parksandrex50 at factormeals.com slash parksandrex50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. That is so true, Greg. LinkedIn knows that as a small business owner, you don't have the time or the resources to spend countless hours looking for the right person for the job. So they have launched a new feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. And it isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching. In fact, get this, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Wow, that, that, that's impressive. That's amazing. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash parks. That's linkedin.com slash parks to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Jim, I got a question for you. Did you, in the episode, did you do the stunt of falling into the creek? Because that looks, if you did, that's a great job. Or is that a stunt? Here's the thing. I was, Uh I know, here's the thing. And, and, you know, when I did, I did a Brooklyn, a couple of Brooklyn Nine-Nines and Dan, there was a stunt in there and they're like, Jim's going to want to do it. He's going to want to do it. I wanted to do the stunt. What they let me do was, they wouldn't let me head first into it because it was so shallow. And they said, if you hit your head, we're screwed, blah, blah, blah. So the stunt guy, he did the fall, and then I laid my body into the river and and whatever. You retrieved the burrito. I retrieved the burrito (laughs) that um, I have dropped in there because... God forbid you waste a good burrito. And and by the way, Jim ain't lying about like I'm sure he would have done it, but you know, uh, Parks and Rec is a universal production, and 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 you know, pretty much every show I've ever worked on is universal. That's where my deal is. They're really cautious about allowing actors to do anything. We were oh, yeah. we were talking. I was talking to my uh, my co-writer on this new show, Matt Hubbard, and who was also a Parks writer, and he was like, "Yeah, I just did a pilot for Universal, and they said no one could run. Oh. We couldn't shoot someone running. Like it's like yeah, we, okay, so people should just be lying down on a bed, like covered in blankets, and that's all we can shoot. And then I think you know, in our pilot, like they wouldn't let an actor just jump into a pool. I'm like, people can jump into yes. pools. It's like that is that happens. But anyway, it's, the- it's all." There was an ep- stuff, there's an episode know. that you guys will get to in the future. Matt Walsh was guesting on it, and I had uh, I have I think I'm running home to save my family. And so the bit is I'm running, I hit a curb and I fall. 
I had to fight for a half hour to let them. I said, I'm just running and falling. Like that. Yeah, is, they would never let you do it. It was yeah. a whole thing. But so no, Rob, it was I got to I got to lay in the creek and then they had me eat some some charcoal tablets afterward. Like it was it was a whole thing. No, way. Yeah. no <laughs> yes. way. God. No it was a way. whole thing That's... because there could have been, I don't know, some bacteria I, I don't know it, you know how they're so cautious they're so careful that we're all okay and i did yeah. what they told me to do <laughs> jim we we have to ask we, we like to go scene by scene sometimes in these but we have to ask about this big sort of set piece scene where your your pants split open and you fart greg levine producer greg remembers the table read do you remember the table read because because he was saying you know mike was reading stage directions and i think people were just almost unable to continue the read they were laughing so hard uh, I, I, I kind of do remember that. Um, again, because it was so, you know, again, I'm not even a series regular at this point, terrified at the table read because this is the most I'm ever saying at a table read. I've never spoken this yeah. much in an episode, so I'm I'm frightened. That's that's the only word I can come up with. Um, and excited, you know, the, 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 the kind of mix. Um, so, yeah, uh, it... It was a funny bit on paper. You never know how that's going to play out because not everything that is funny on paper works out uh, when you go to do it. So, uh, and again, there was Amy afterward making sure I was okay with it. And believe me, I was more than okay with it. I love that's, that kind of stuff. That's very considerate of her. And, and, and you know, again, this, this Jerry character, it just felt like when we figured out that game, I think it's partly in that Digging Up Dirt episode called Practice Day, which yeah. Rob and I talked about a few weeks yeah. ago. Um, written by Harris Whittles, where, you know, oh, we discover Jerry's adopted, but he didn't know. And it kind of was the birth of this dynamic. And the dynamic was so robust and so funny. That's when it's like, and, and obviously Jim excelled in the role. It's like, oh, we can do this every episode. And in fact, people never got sick of it. <laughs> no. We did it every episode. <laughs> Mike told Mike Schur had said, he, he, at one point he had to say to the writer's room, okay, enough of the Jerry jokes. Like we, because <laughs> they're, like, they're fun and kind of easy to do. And he was like, yeah. yeah, we got other stuff to write. Yeah, no, they're, they're easy to do. But the the pants split and the fart, you know, it, 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 is that childish? Yeah. But I'm sorry, <laughs> it works. And and I'm on board for it. Yeah. I also like the, um, maybe you have to be a, a Hoosier. You know, I, I've talked about this. I grew up in Ohio, Indiana, spent my summers in Indiana. My dad's from Anderson, Indiana. But anytime you can get a good Muncie joke. Yes, you know. <laughs> I always love that. I mean, oh, I, 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 the, the Jerry has a, a timeshare yes. in Muncie is the the greatest yeah. and and what i think makes this obviously the scene work the, as well as it does is the cast their reactions knowing that leslie has told them do not you know we're, we're going to be good during this we're going to give it our best and their reactions tom's reaction to muncie all of their reactions trying to keep it together it's obviously the funny bit uh, i can tell you uh, uh uh so trim was directing mike trim who was our dp and we had done a bunch of takes, and you know how it is. The wardrobe departments, they preset the pants so that when I <laughs> bend over, there's going to be a split, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we're doing it, and then the cast is laughing, and we're all laughing. For, for those who don't see any of the, the outtakes, if you put us in a conference room, those were the best, my very favorite moments of shooting parts from micro conference rooms because it was just all of us just laughing and joking together and then doing some really good material. Uh, I, those are my, my favorite things with the conference rooms. But anyway, so uh, Amy's like, I can't laugh. No, I'm done. You can't make me laugh anymore. And in my head, that was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and and, and the, the other thing, this is also the beginning of, you know, by the end of the story, you know, Jim has that sort of, Jerry has a talking head where he explains that it's okay. Like they can make fun of me. I'm two years away from retirement. And I think, what happened later on, I think Mike was really careful to sort of buttress Jerry's character and make sure that he had an amazing life outside of work. And so that ultimately culminated in you being married to Christy Brinkley and having this amazing family. And also, did you see any of that coming or was that all kind of a surprise to you? That could not have been more of a surprise. Mike had told me later, basically what you just said, he's like, we can't, Jerry can't have everything bad in his life because why is he around? Like, what is, you know, it's too much. So then they come up with ideas. And what I thought was interesting, Amy, I don't know if you ever heard this, Amy had a very funny pitch. Uh, Amy pitched, what if 
Jerry is a tyrant at home. What if because <laughs> he's so put upon at work yeah. that he goes home and he is just, you know, and so we, she's like, what if we cast some tiny little frail chain smoking woman who the minute Jerry comes in the door, you know, but anyway, obviously they didn't go. It's a different show. You know, to- I know. Totally different show. I'm glad that we, we went the way. To, it always cracked me up uh, to see you and Christy Brinkley and your daughters singing those breakfast songs and just oh like having God. a great time. And then Chris became Carter, part of the family. Totally. He started dating yes. your daughter. I mean, that was all. That was all really fun. We were gonna have a. We were gonna like have a mutual family tree. For we a were. We were very close. And then to this day, and Halloween is coming up, so I'll hear about it again. People will go as Jerry with the potato head costume. Where when he realizes that you are dancing all up on my daughter, uh, April comes over and turns the smile upside down. Oh, it, yeah. Yes. I remember that. And that is actually a popular Halloween costume. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a very uh, funny moment. <laughs> Traeger dating Jerry's daughter. Exactly. God, I forgot about all that stuff. That's wild, yeah, and man. And I do love how Ben just never could understand it. He thought there was some... Some big mystery. Was she? Did she have amnesia? Why is she with me? Yeah, she has some. He has some great. There's a. It's it's coming up in episodes in the future, but where he like grills oh, you yeah. about. Yeah. He's like, so, how did you meet? Did, like, you, did you lose you? a bet? Yeah. Is there? He has a whole. He's created a whole fantasy in his mind about how this could possibly have happened. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. And and there was one final thing that they did. I I think this may have been Dan Gore's pitch, but. It's one of the rare off-color jokes in Parks and Rec because we, we have a talking head with Jerry's doctor, and he just <laughs> yes. says to camera, that man has the largest penis I've ever yep. seen. That's just a talking head that's in the show. So it's in. Yep. congrats, Jerry. You got you know? it. And, you know, uh, that came from real life. I was standing next to one of the <laughs> Yes. Anyway, the um, – no, but the funny bit is Gore also – wait, who told me this? Was it – it might have been Dan. It uh, might have been my – anyway – they shot it the other way. They shot it where he goes, this man has the smallest penis I have oh, ever seen. Oh, wow. You know, because you're doing, out. you know, you're just pitching a bunch yeah, of dogs. Yeah. And so, thank the Lord, they didn't go that direction <laughs> because you know how the world is. You know how the internet is. It's much better to be perceived with how it worked out. Um we can talk quickly about uh, Andy Samberg, too. I mean, oh, he, yes. you know, he's, he's not a guest, so we'll give him shorter shrift than Jim. But oh, uh, very fun to have Samberg. It was, so he's playing this guy, Carl Orthner, and and he, he's a very loud talker. And, uh, you know, Greg and I talked about this. It's kind of based by a former Parks and Recollection guest, Dean Holland, because uh, <laughs> Dean has no indoor voice, and he cannot speak at a normal volume he has an extremely <laughs> loud voice it serves him well as a director but he has he just cannot speak quietly so that was kind of based on on dean it was kind of based on a, a real life guy what makes me laugh is is it is literally a one note joke the entire <laughs> episode and it is funny every single yeah. time like just me like oh yeah i get it i get it you start you it's just funny every time yeah and sandberg just goes for it he, you know he's just oh. one of those guys Yes, everything he does is funny, but it's certainly when I was rewatching this episode uh, the other day, uh, I was a little when I first heard Sandberg talk, I was like, oh, yeah, this loud voice character. And it's it's bordering on the possibility of being a Nakamura. I don't know if you guys know what a Nakamura is. It's kind of a comedy writing term. So so how do I not know this? Yeah. Yeah. This is this is kind of some jargon, comedy writing jargon. It's based on an episode of Taxi. So there's an episode of Taxi from a long time ago, the 70s or whatever. And uh, the writers had written a joke about a Japanese product made by a company, called, like a fictional company called the Nakamura Company. And so they're on stage shooting it, and you know it's a multicam, so they're shooting it live in front of a studio audience. And the first joke about the Nakamura Company just absolutely dies. It just craters. And then the writers, in their minds know that they have six callbacks to the Nakamura company. In the, so they just know that you're just like, buckle up, because there's, you know, 10 more of these jokes. And you're like, oh, shit. So, you know, like, the idea that, like, look, if you don't like Sandberg talking loud in the first scene, you're going to hear it a lot more times. That's right, yes. So that's, you're always, so when you're writing a script and you write this running joke or running gag or whatever, and you're like, oh, is this going to be a Nakamura? You got to bet, you got to bet that it's going to work the first time. So that, that's, that's the origin of Nakamura. Well, you know, they had the same issue with Eichner. Because Billy comes in with his character, yes. and he'll be the first one to tell you, you either love him or you hate him on the show. <laughs> I loved him. 
but yeah. you know, same bit. Either you're going to go with that or you're not. And it's it's a big statement. Craig, Craig, the legendary Craig, <laughs> later season character. Yes. Um, but with Jerry, you know, with Jerry, it's just like. I don't know. To me, those jokes never get old. It's some of my favorite stuff to to write, and, and and it just works in the show. I think it just again, it's just this palate cleanser. It's just a balance to the rest of the show. And I think Jim, you play Jerry with so much. You, you just, it's your face. It's the way you you move. It's the way you treat everybody. Like I, I just feel like it, it's it's one of the the best games in all of Parks and Rec. And and it's a testament to the fact that yeah, like season one, you and you and and and, and Red are just kind of hanging around, and by the end, you're like the mayor of Pawnee. And <laughs> know, Donna's man. getting married, and like yeah, it's right. It's 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 an incredible journey, man. It truly, like you're saying, it's an actor's dream. It's totally an actor's dream. And I can tell you, uh, so many people have come up to me who have never seen the finale. And I'm like, why? They've seen the, they've seen each episode 20 times, never saw the finale, because then it's over. And I said, I, I get where you're coming from, okay? But number one, it is over. And number two, some great stuff happens for Jerry. So if you have been following the Jerry journey, you got to see the finale because, and I remember Amy came up to me at some point, I, th you know, whenever you guys were starting to talk about what you were going to do for each one of us. And she started telling me what you guys were thinking about. And I had tears in my eyes. Like I thought that was the sweetest thing I'd ever heard. Now I also know how it works. That could change overnight. And you know, it's uh, what yeah. begins in a writer's room <laughs> that can turn it on its head, you know, in a heartbeat. So uh, I, I wasn't, married to it i wanted to be married to it and then ultimately that is how it turned out and uh yeah so yeah they jerry got quite the send-off though i can tell you when the series when the finale happened and it aired um we were the cast we were all in new york because we did uh uh who do we do seth myers yeah and so i get a call the next day from my sister and she's crying she goes oh it's so sad she goes but i can't believe they killed you off I go, kill me off. She goes, you're dead. I go, I'm a hundred. I'm a hundred years old. And she goes, I know, but if they do a reunion, you can't be in it. I go, no, they're not going to do a reunion when we're a hundred years. Like, she just couldn't. All she could take from the episode was that you guys killed me off. Yeah. A gravestone. A gravestone. It's a great, yeah. Yeah. So I said, it's fine. It's all good. I think I'll be around if they do one. This almost this almost makes me want to talk about the finale. We should wait for no, the finale when we get to the finale. finale. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. but yeah, I actually remember, man, there were a lot of debates about how the show would end. That, that's actually I'm excited to talk about that one. It's going to be a ways off, but yeah. but uh yeah, it wasn't it wasn't always the way it ended. Well, I do think and this doesn't give anything away obviously, but I think endings are the toughest thing for a show that has had an impact. I, uh, some of my yeah. favorites did not nail it, but I think and I know I'm biased, I'm whatever I think you guys nailed it. I, I really do. But again, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, this has got to be one of one of your favorite episodes, right? In terms of you personally for Jim, like it's, this is this is kind of a watershed episode for you. Yeah, yeah this one, and um, I, I get a lot of feedback on the retirement episode, uh, yeah. but this one, uh, it was the first time. You know, like I said, you, you you got to see. I'd like to think a full character, like you know, what I was going through, what my concerns, why I didn't want to be honest with everybody. And then remember in this episode, if I'm remembering correctly, the, the voice of reason was Mark Brandanowitz. That's right. Because <laughs> also he doesn't show up in the episode of like 15 minutes in, but yes, he does have a scene where he tells Amy what to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Paul Schneider. He was the voice of reason to Leslie saying, I think your problem is that, uh, you're, you have a worker who's afraid of his coworkers, or you know, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, 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 yeah. that's exactly what he says. And Rob, what, do you remember? Was Chris was generally pretty nice to Jerry, right? Do you remember? Like, did you you didn't make fun of Jerry that much in, in, in my recollection? No, but, I think yeah. I think there were, I think there might have been twice in the entire time <laughs> I ever interacted with Jerry, yeah, where I wasn't anything other because Chris loves everybody. So yeah. when Chris was mean to jerry it was like a killer yeah. and i think we'll, we'll come up on those but it was only once or twice but he was always super you know chris loved everybody yeah i mean what, what a way to define a character he's even nice to jerry right to that, i think that's like, like that in, idiot. in a world of, of of nice of nice characters chris was maybe the nicest so that makes so a let lot me, of let sense. me ask you this i'm always obsessed with um what people in the writer's room are 
it, the, the, the hours are long, you're eating bad pizza, it's late at night, you're, you maybe have writer's block, and inevitably, and Alan, you know this, the, there'll be some weird, obscure obsession that will come out up, and sometimes it'll make its way into the show. And I couldn't help but wonder if there wasn't an av- – now, granted, I know Avatar is one of the biggest movies ever. But I'm wondering – my, my spider sense tells me there was something more going on around Avatar that it, made it into this episode. Am I, am I right? It made me really laugh just to see those Avatar jokes because you're like, why is it so – and it keeps coming back over and over. They talk about uh, Avatar again and again and again oh, in I the know. episode. Oh, yeah. Greg, do you remember – like, like I, I know we have somewhat of an obsession with Avatar. It's just – there's something funny inherently about Avatar because it's such <laughs> – it's just this massive movie and yet people don't really talk about it. It's not talked about the same way that Star Wars or like Marvel is and, and yet it's it was for a while the number one movie of all time but there's something so funny about it it's like people don't really i feel like people don't like love those characters or that world but it just was so popular it's really funny to talk about i don't know it's it's such a specific thing greg do you remember why we why we talked about it so much i don't know if this rings a bell for you but i i feel like the room was a bit split on avatar yes that there were some people who just loved it like i remember loving it i think <laughs> Sure, loved it. And a few other people, we were just obsessed with this movie that just kind of blew us away. And some people thought it was derivative or whatever that was. And I think that that just became a room talking point like you're talking about, Rob. And then someone types it into the script or the notes and you can't delete it from that point. You just can't delete it. You know, it's it's actually all coming back to me. I believe the trailer for Avatar first came out while we were in the writer's room and we watched it as a room. And when we watched the trailer, it ended, and Mike was like, that looks like terrible bullshit. It's going to be awful. I'm going to hate that movie. Then, like a year later, it came out, and he loved it. <laughs> so he came back to the writer's room and said, I loved Avatar. He's like, I don't know why, but I loved Avatar. A lot of people didn't like it. So I think people were just screaming about, you know, about whether it was good or bad for a long time. I think the detractors said, you know, the dialogue was kind of flat. The characters are not differentiated. You know, some of the acting was indifferent, whatever. And then other people were like, just shut the fuck up. It's, a, it's an amazing technological achievement that the 3D is amazing. He built this world. It's James Cameron, all this stuff. He's a genius. And I think it just it, it seeped its way into the script. It, Rob, you're, you're right to point out we our weird obsessions do peek their way into episodes over and over again. And that's what makes it real, you know? Audiences, as you guys are watching shows, be on the lookout for that. You're always like, wait a minute, why are these people obsessed with Captain Crunch? Whatever it is, it's going to be something. And those things are the, the things that make me laugh. I, I also wonder about... There's a great little grace note in this episode where Anne talks about the fact that she's watched too many Lifetime movies. Yes. And the title of the last movie that Anne has watched on Lifetime made me laugh so hard. I wrote it down. Hang on. It's how far is too far enough? The Terry Power Longhorn story. <laughs> that, that, sounds like, that sounds like an Aisha joke. I don't know if she wrote that one. It's her script. But but we, again, that's our favorite shit to write. That and like the books that they would read. There were books that were theoretically written by Gabe Perello, our, our prop master. They're like James Patterson style novels. But coming up with those titles, how how how, how far, far is, is too, too far, far enough? enough? It's yeah, it's it's the wonderful. Terry Power Longhorn story. <laughs> I just want to say, what's great about them is that we will spend maybe three or four hours. Yes, I mean that's coming up with the funniest version of this one movie title, but then maybe five minutes on a very important dramatic beat or or character moment. <laughs> yes, oh, for <laughs> sure. True waste of Universal's money. Just a true waste. I would love to know the like the ones that didn't make it in on on these idiot, stupid, really deep cut jokes like yes. this that I'm obsessed with. I would love somewhere somehow to to know. Because I bet you they were genius. We'll have to dig those up. Greg, you have the notes. <laughs> we could find the notes. <laughs> I'll break them out of cryosleep. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate (laughs) is more chocolate. 
Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Do you want to go to the town hall? I think you do. Um, we should maybe get to a town hall. Jim, if you haven't heard the pod yet, uh, we, we do these town hall questions from our listeners, and they want to hear cool. from you. So we have some uh, a town hall question. Should we get to that, Rob? Let's do it. Let's go to the hall. Where are we doing the town hall? Let's let Jim. So, Jim, we pick a location to do the town hall. Um, Pawnee is a sprawling metropolis, and, yeah. and there are many, many places to do it. Um, did you have your favorite place in, in, in uh, Pawnee, your favorite location? Uh, well, if it can't be Muncie, then I'd say the small park. <laughs> oh, the smallest park. I love that The episode. smallest park. Yeah, yeah like world's that. smallest park. A little gimmick that, that <laughs> Leslie came up with to a goose attendance. Uh, okay. Or any Paunchburger. <laughs> or any Paunchburger. We haven't done Okay, yes. let's, we'll, do it. we'll do it in two locations. We'll jet yeah. back and forth. I love that you remember Paunchburger. Um, I'll, I'll read the town hall question. It actually is for Jim. So Emma from Maine writes in and says, uh, if Jerry were having a dinner party... Which three guests of honor would he invite? Um, and I think she probably means either from the show or anybody. I don't know. It's up to you, Jim. I think we should do both because yeah. we're having the town hall in two locations. I love it. Yeah. We should do in one location. In Paunchburger, you answer people on the sh- in the Pawnee world. Yeah. And then <laughs> yes. in the other location, it's people in, in the universe. That's a great idea. Wow. Um Boy, that would be tough for the the people in the you know in the parks department because I, I, I truly believe Jerry loved each and every one of them. Like yeah. truly loved each and every one of them. He knew his priority was his family and all that stuff, which is incredibly healthy and wonderful. But he did love them. Uh, wow! So the th- boy, he would it would kill him to hurt anyone's feelings. Um, Wow, it has to just be the three. Yeah, let's let's make some hard decisions. Let's piss some people oh, off. Oh <laughs> God! Well, it would, it would it would. I'd have to have Leslie, obviously. <laughs> I'd have to have Ron, and and I I think I'd have to have Donna. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say right. Donna's got to be in there. I was going to say they, they've got the die. bond. They've got such a bond. I yeah, love their Donna friendship. Is my ride or die. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, yeah, but it would break my heart. That I that that's that I couldn't have everybody. Well, I have a I have a writer's answer to that, which is Jerry says that he feels so bad that he can't invite anybody. He can't invite everybody, so he invites nobody, it's and nobody. everyone's mad at him. <laughs> so, so no one gets to go. <laughs> that is the perfect answer. Yes, yes. Uh, you guys. I know we're jumping here. I, let me just quickly jump here and tell you when, when Retta and I, before we knew we were serious regulars, we used to have these really cool dressing rooms in the building. Uh, and so we would sit in kibitz all day long, like, what's happening? Are we going to, are they firing us? Are, are we going to be here next week? Are they, are they getting rid of, like, so Red and I quickly bonded and have stayed bonded ever since the show. So yeah, Donna will always be Jerry's, his, his right hand, uh, when it comes to the parks department. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you guys are still friends. It's, it's wonderful. And, and, and we yeah, all are. I was yeah. texting with Offerman yesterday. He's got another book coming out. I said, you're so damn prolific. And he's like, yeah, my, my, what did he say? He goes, my publisher wish I was prolific 18 months ago. So apparently he's, you know, maybe missed a deadline or two. But um, yeah, I just, I, I love those. I just love those guys. Yeah. Oh, wait. So now Jerry, Jerry, if he, uh, outside of his world, well, you know, I think Jerry's probably a very religious dude, and he's gonna he's gonna want Jesus at that meeting. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like that he's, answer. Yeah, I think Jesus will be a big part of that, mm-hmm. um, and I'm assuming his family can automatically be there. So they're already this is there. Outs- yeah, yeah, they're already there. So Jesus, um, I think the guy who uh, who ran the um, the ice cream shop where he met Gail <laughs> oh, that's would nice. be. Oh, man. Uh, I, 
I think he should be there. So sweet. And then maybe Jerry's, uh, maybe his notary boss. I don't know exactly who that is. We never met them. <laughs> but maybe his notary boss. Yes, oh, very man. random. That's, I'm thinking Marilyn Monroe. That's wonderful. No, <laughs> that's, that's whoever very, gets no, no very a character. Very a character. Yeah. I love it, man. Great answers, and uh, yeah, that that's the town hall. That's the town hall. Thank you so there much you for go. answering, and thanks for joining us, Jim. <laughs> this was so much fun, you guys. Yeah, anything else you want to add or plug? We're, we're here. Oh, I, you know, I'm out there doing a bunch of. I'm in. Oh shoot! I don't know if I'm allowed to say where I am. I could say a state. I'm in. You can right? say a state. Yes. Yeah. What? What are you? You held hostage right now? <laughs> I, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say New, New Mexico. I don't know. Oh wow! And, and I know oh, this. Oh, I know oh, that that because I, 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 I won't say it either, Jim. I know what you're working on, and it sounds it, it rhymes with the the new installment of Bar Ors. <laughs> 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 I was like, Jim, Jim, are you the new Iron Man? But I guess you're uh, something else. <laughs> well, this is great. This is um, we will have you back um, as we, you know, continue yeah. on the, the Jerry trajectory because there's a lot of great stuff to come. So much Super fun. I love seeing you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend. Thanks to producer Greg and producer Schulte. Goodbye for Pawnee. Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Your home is your place of peace. It's clean. It's welcoming. <sighs> and it's definitely not crawling with invading insects if you use Ortho Home Defense Max. Use it indoors on non-porous surfaces to treat and prevent cockroaches, spiders, and ants for up to 12 months. So your home can stay your place of peace, your work-from-home office, and your family's headquarters. Kill bugs inside, keep bugs outside, and love your home. Visit ortho.com for more.